johnsyndicate.com. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Direct from the Vegas Strip. Are you looking to access the most powerful betting syndicate information directly from the Vegas Wise Guys? The same games that players walk into the casinos and move 5, 10, 20 dimes a game on week in and week out. Learn the secrets of the most powerful betting sources directly from our office to your ears. All you have to do to walk with that air of confidence is pick up the phone and don't stall. Make the call. Call 1-888-201-4201. That's 1-888-201-4201. Call now. Call free for your access password at johnsyndicate.com. That's www.johnsyndicate.com. Call now. Call free. Guys, we are back with another edition of Sports Insider Radio. What is going on, Costi? Just another day at the office. I feel like I'm finally recouped from that atrocity that I watched at M&T Bank Stadium on Sunday. You know, it's, it, there's a hundred different scenarios. There's, it's a funny story. So, after the game, I don't think you, I even told you this yet. I can't um, even get ahead of the game on air. It's unbelievable. I can't. No, even we're not there yet. Just let me just let me get oh, this okay, out. Right, we'll we'll right. get there. We'll get. There. We'll get. There. Um, so right after um, the game ended, my buddies, uh, one of my friends was in town. He sat with my buddy in the suite, and he said, "You want to go to live?" I said, oh, you know what? What's a better way to Welcome. to to get over this loss than to go to live and you know mess around?" Which is a casino, for those that don't know, live in local Baltimore area, Maryland live. So, but the wife, we were parked on one side of the stadium. They were parked on the other side of the stadium. So I, you know, obviously I didn't even have to even try it. I was like, you want me to walk you back to your car, to the car? Because we both drove together. She's like, yeah. So I drive, I, I go all the way to one side of the stadium after the game with going with traffic. Then I have to go all the way across the bridge where like 60,000 people. And I had to hear every person talking about the atrocity going against traffic. It was like, I could not want to, like I could not want to get out of town faster. It wasn't even about the game. Every single person I'm walking by, hundreds of people, Lamar, Safe Flowers, Lamar, coaching, this, that, this. I was like, how about I just got it when I called the radio and Mark answered? He just started with me. (laughs) Yeah. You know, when you get to this level, like, if you're in the first round and you lose, like, the Cowboys, like, okay, we talk about it for a couple days, and then it just kind of goes away because there's more games. Well, when you lose in the AFC Championship, you have two weeks that you have to see the team that beat you constantly be reminded of what could have been and just how bad we played and, and all 
all levels. I mean, you can't blame everything on Lamar. You can't blame everything on Zay Flowers. You can't blame everything on Todd Monkton. We just got outcoached by a better coached team that was ready to play in these type of situations because you could say I mean, look, I mean, you, you can say all you can out you can say whatever you want to make it sound. Uh, I didn't like. Look, I like you don't bet against Mahomes. Mahomes is the new Brady. So I mean, in the end of the day, you can say what you want, but they they played like absolute garbage. The Ravens played like garbage, and the reality yep. is is that the guy literally didn't even have an incomplete pass till I think the third quarter. I think he had something like fifteen complete passes in a row. Uh, uh, Mahomes. So I mean, you know, well, yeah, in the first the guy, they did. Give yeah, give credit where credit's due. But they I mean, also like, didn't score. I mean, I get it, but they also all right, didn't score okay, okay. In the second half. So right. which goes to show you how bad the Ravens the were because if the other team you shut out them and they didn't score the second. But it's anyway, not my point is that they were. It was Eric. They they had opportunities to score, and they nothing was worse when you're down ten points in the third quarter. And the momentum shift is right there because the defense is playing lights out. The pivotal point of the game, and, and I remember Lindsay, my wife, after Zay Flowers fumbled on the end zone, said, keep your head up. There's still a shot. I said, there's no shot. This is that play. Yeah, there was zero gonna define, It was going to define your season because you don't get many opportunities. One, we only scored seven points. So you're not going to have many opportunities to score, let alone – not even get a field goal out of it. Because, look, even if it's an incomplete or whatever, and we don't – it's third down, and now we're going – you know, and then we get a field goal, we're still only down, you know, a touchdown at that point. And it just showed that, like – and we had plenty of time left, so it wasn't like one first down was going to ruin it. There's all these factors, and they just basically snowballed on top of each other, and it was like nothing we could have done. Everything we did wrong, three turnovers, Chiefs had none. Now, granted, usually Kansas City and Andy Reid are notorious. When they're up, they play very conservative, which I don't blame them. So, yeah, maybe if we kept it really close in the second half, Mahomes would have gambled more, and they might have put more points up, but... It just it, it sucks because it brings back the PTSD from a few years ago when. We oh, had give me the wine and yeah, PTSD. It's the, it's the PTSD. It's the whole oh, thing now. Oh my, Mahomes. I mean, sorry, Lamar cannot win in the big, the big, big light games. Regular season mm. doesn't count, and he's incapable. I'm going to tell you the same thing I told my that. my 18 year old son watching the game. I said, listen, buddy, in the end of the day, there's only one team left standing, and that ain't never going to change. So, unfortunately, you know, if it, you know, you just only one team gets out alive before we get back to action. And look, look, I'm not that big of a super fan anyway, like you are anyway, but, and we'll move on and we'll get into the real action in a second. But, you know, again, my whole point is in the end of the day, just like the line is indicated on the Super Bowl, I mean, I, I'm the, the Super Bowl. They opened up at two and a half, then they went down to one. Now they're back up to two. I mean, this is the third consecutive game that Mahomes is an underdog. Mm-hmm. And mm-hmm. you couldn't get me to bet against Mahomes ever in this matchup. If I lose, I lose. If I win, I win. 
there ain't no way I'm betting against a home. That's just no. not that they've even bet in the game, but like anybody basically who bets San Francisco and loses, if they lose, then, you know, then, you know, again, I, San Fran has showed me nothing. Big deal. They came back and beat Detroit. What well, big deal. Well, I, I wouldn't care. go that far. I mean, yes, they, Detroit came out with a great game plan and they put them on their heels, but San Fran from a, from the coaching down to the players have a better complete team than the Ravens. Doesn't matter that we beat them. Doesn't matter that we went in there and we beat the crap out of them. It was just, it was that day and it was that matchup. If we played them over and over and over again, I do believe their coaching is that much better that they would win more games than us. I just think just to finish this off and, you know, we will talk Ravens next year. I do think this was Lamar's best chance to win one. Now, if he wins one in the future years, I think it's going to be harder. I think it's going to be not as good of a team. This was his best chance because he had literally the youngest, most efficient defense you could have as a good quarterback. Like if Mahomes had that defense, they would not lose a game. It's that they were that historic. I mean, yeah, you could go back to the Ravens of 2000, but nobody's ever going to be them. They were historic. This team's on paper after the year was over was historic. You have a young Kyle Hamilton. He's going to be one of the best for a very long time. Roquan in his prime years, Patrick Queen was an all pro. I mean, you had Matabuke, who's going to get 80 million. I mean, they're just everywhere around the veterans we picked up. We had a historic, I don't know because of the way that these guys were paid and a couple of those guys are on rookie deals that will be ever able to have that type of defense for Lamar again. Now, Again, we could draft really well going forward. We can get studs. That's all possible. But I do think at home, AFC championship, that type of defense, that type of performance on the year that we had our best shot. Now, you know, hopefully I'm proven wrong and we have an even better team, but, you know, it, it just is what it is. But Remind me on Lamar's contract. How long is he in, in, uh, in the oh, he's in, he's uh, locked here up for life. He's, he's locked up for life. Much, much, many well, more years. Anybody can anybody can break anything, but I'm just saying, like that contract that he signed over the summer. What were the specifics of that? It was uh, two hundred seventy million. Um, I forgot. I think one seventy eight guaranteed. I mean, there, at the end of the day, people could say what they want. I've said this for a very long time, for at least the last three, four years. There's one Mahomes, just like there was one Brady. Now Brady did get to play against guys like Peyton Manning, who won one. If you go back, Peyton Manning lost a lot of playoff games before he actually won a Super Bowl. So right. there's only one Brady. There's only one Mahomes. Everybody else is just in a completely different tier. And they're just special. There's, they have something when it comes to this big of a game that they just put it into extra gear and they don't underperform. And look, Mahomes is only beaten, beaten once in the AFC championship. And that was by Burrow. And yeah, he's lost in the Super Bowl also, but it's just a different, it's just a different breed. And look, I respect him. I don't like him right now, but I definitely respect him. But you know, to, 
to the. Well, let's 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 talk about breaking bit. down the Super Bowl. Well, no, 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 not yet, not yet, not yet. Oh, happy oh, birthday, oh. sir! Happy birthday! There happy you go. Birthday, happy birthday! How do you feel? Feel healthy? Good? I feel it's funny. I just got off the trainer. I just did 15 miles, and I got to tell you, you know, it's it's a cliche for all the people that you know listening. Health is wealth, man. I'm I'm in better shape at 51 than I was at 39. Wrap your head around that. So, uh, you know, I'll go toe-to-toe with a 39-year-old any day of the week in the ring. I mean, like, you know, you see what I do. I mean, I, I just, if you, here's what I'm going to tell everybody, not sports-related. If you act like you're old, and if you think you're old, you're old. And when they say it's a state of mind, it really, really, really is a state of mind. Like you just turned 41. You're exactly 10 years and two weeks younger than me. And, you know, I know guys that are 41 that act like they're 80. And then, you know, our senior partner, he'll be 69 on Friday. And the guy rolls around like he's 40. So I, you, you, of anyone, you're the youngest in the office. You're exposed. Look, I mean, let's, let's, you know, 41, 51, 65, 69, 68, right? where I've been working with these guys since I'm 15 years old. So from your perspective, you living, you working in an environment with majority of the people over the age of 60, we're all young 60s. They're all young 60s is what I'm saying. As you see when people act like they're young, they play like they're young, they work out like they're young, they're young. You don't walk in there and feel like you're in a geriatric environment, right? So you've learned no, from being around people that are old. Where I see people like... Uh, make excuses on social media and, oh, I'm just, (laughs) there's always an excuse. And, you know, the reality is there's no excuse. I mean, look, not only do we have older people in our office, two the two partners, there's two partners, Barry and Ted, 69, 63, Barry's dad's 96, Ted's dad's 97. They're still rocking and rolling. So again, you know, you got to have that mentality where you actually think it's just a number. And I think as I've gotten older, it's just a number um, because as long as you can, you know, do it, do it. So, you know, that's all I'm going to say. You know, again, you know, I will tell you, it's very easy to let yourself go. You've done it. Everybody's done it when they're young. It's much harder to get back into shape when you're older. I didn't even start getting in shape till I was 40 years old. You know, I was a slob up to 40. From 30 to 40, all I cared about was work, 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 work at the expense of having a heart attack and dropping dead. And now it's like, you know what? The games are going to play. That's why one of the reasons why and what I would equate my youthfulness to is that I don't care about the games. I don't. And I'm not talking about a Raven game where you're a fan and you live in Baltimore. I just don't care like daily. I just don't care. Like people get very insulted when they hear me say, I don't care. For all you listening, I could care less. To me, it's a waste of four hours of my life watching a game, unless it's like a marquee matchup like the Super Bowl or the AFC Championship game. Other than that, check the scores. Wake up in the morning. You're not going to change them. So that's my take of how I feel. How I feel is, now I will say it is, it is unique how quick time flies. I remember skateboarding to the office filing for a job application at this office. And now it's my, it's been my company. You know, I've never left. That is very unique. As I said on my YouTube video today at pickdogs.com, you're not going to meet many people. Even you, you're 40 years old. You've had several different, uh, occupations, 41, 41, 41. You've had several different occupations. I've had one, 
Not only have I had one, I've never been in the same occupation in a different environment. I'm not like a car, uh, a guy that went in the car industry that hopped from one brand to the other. I mean, same office, same location, never moved for 35 years. We got guys like Dave from Tampa. They drove up. Same thing. Came to our office. They, we meet him in person. Like, we deal with, you know, I will say this. If you're a sports gambler and you want to deal with people that stand the test of time, you're not going to get any. Uh, you're not going to get any more seniority or tenure in this business than the, than the, the, the people you're listening to on this show. So, uh, and again, even you, yeah, you were in the you were in the uh, the boom in the real estate industry, but I mean, you've been doing this straight for 15 years now, anyway. Yeah, I mean, it's that's that's how it rolls, man. You when you make these deep rooted connections. That's really what it comes down to. I mean, anybody. And, 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 and let me not to cut you off, but you asked, and that's part of the deep rooted connection thing. As I've gotten older and someone that goes, the radio show is being broadcast live in Las Vegas. And as you know, we're all going out to Las Vegas in a, in a few weeks. But as someone that spent a good majority of my life flying back and forth to Las Vegas, you know, everybody goes, oh, that's awesome. That's awesome. And I'm not poo-pooing Las Vegas. I love Las Vegas. But you know, to the, to the average person, like, wow, that's very luxurious. You're getting on a plane, you're flying to Sin City. And, and what I explained to somebody is where, where you work, every, any place that you work that's not a vacation is the same regardless of the geography. I don't care if you live in Maui. I don't care if you live in Laguna Beach. I don't care if you live in Alaska. It's all the same. If you got to work, you got to work. Now, if you're independently wealthy, where everywhere you go is a vacation, that's a completely different story. What I will say, and the last thing on this is what I will say on this 51st day, uh, day one of my revolving around the sun is geography is absolutely meaningless. There is no better place. I've heard people, I hate this town. I hate Baltimore. I want to move. I hate Vegas. I want, it's all the same. If you have family, if you have friends, and if you have your health, it doesn't matter where you live. Anyway, I'm done with it now. Yeah, I mean, the only other thing I would say about location is if you're looking for less strenuous winters, sure. But uh, other yeah, than we don't have any geographically, winters. doesn't fake. Nah, I but mean, being, fake being able to, for you, being able to ride outside yeah, 24-7 is an advantage. But again, we're all, oh, yeah. we all make our own choices, and I never contest living here. I love it. I mean, this is where I was basically raised since the age of, age of eight. So, you know, it's how we live our life, but it's the connection. It doesn't matter now. It wasn't. It used to be a Vegas thing where most of the groups that we dealt with were out of Vegas many years ago. Well, now they're scattered all over the world, and it really doesn't make. You a would difference. have told me, like I said, at fifteen that you know by the time you're fifty, it's going to be legal in forty states, and everybody's going to be you know betting like maniacs. And I mean, I I could have never. I mean, you have to remember when I got into this business. This was considered like you were basically a, an illegal bookmaker to the general public, even though it never has been, it's always been a legal business. What I'm saying is, in terms of the social anxiety to some people that cared about, if you went to a cocktail party and you said, oh, I'm a stock trader on Wall Street, it was like you were, you know, you were like a, and then if it, what do you do? I'm a professional sports analyst, handicapper, prognosticator, uh, you know, I provide sports information to gamblers. What are you, a bookie? I mean, if I had a dollar for any time somebody said, what are you, a bookie? I should have been a bookie, 
because they, they win, you know, the, the gamblers have no problem just doling their money out with an absence of information. And my next life, I'll be a bookie. But, you know, again, it was like considered like uh, socially not, uh, you know, like a more on the on the uh, illicit side of the world than on the Wall Street side of the world. Now, nah, forget it. It's just like Wall Street. You turn on the TV, you know, everything's there. The lines, the prognostication. I mean, the, the, I cannot believe the level of which it's now acceptable. And as someone who is a father of a, a soon-to-be 19-year-old, it is also a damn shame that where you grew up as a fan from a non-betting point of view, these kids will never have a chance to grow up as actual fans. It's betting and it's fantasy right out of the gate. It's going to make them sharper betters. In a decade from now, there's going to be a lot more sharp groups making money with young kids like my son that are all coming from that environment of, you know, knowing what a line is when they're 10 years old. I mean, I didn't know what a line was when I was 10 years old. 15, yes, not 10 I didn't turn on the TV and see all these sports book commercials. So, I mean, the industry is involved in such a manner that the margins for the books are going to become leaner and leaner on the sports book side as you have, you know, the 19-year-olds of the world. By the time my son's 29, you imagine the amount of information and knowledge that these guys have at their fingertips, and then you're going to take artificial intelligence and multiply everything by a gazillion. Oh, it, it's going to be it's going to be interesting to see, you know, because right now, basically, the books can still print money. All these legal states, you know, everybody loses, nobody wins. And when I say everybody loses, I mean everybody loses that bets on their own with an absence of information. And as you and I both know, you know, we have a good, you know, 100 hardcore followers. Think about the thousands and thousands of people that watch us on YouTube, that listen to us on the radio. I've been doing this for decades. And you have about a core hundred people. So think about that. There's hundreds of billions of dollars wagered on sports. We have about a hundred intelligent individuals that want to treat their wagering as a business at any given time. And then we lose about 20% of the ones that join because they can't stay disciplined and they're betting for all the wrong reasons for dopamine, but not to actually win money. So therefore, you know, it's, 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 uh, you know, it's hard. It's hard. You would think if when people hear, oh, we have a hundred people when they get on our telegram channels, you would think, Kasi, as big as we are, we would have a thousand people. And then you go into these other telegram free chat groups that people promote and market out 2000 people in the chat groups because they're not really serious players. They're just looking for the next daily hot pick. So, you know, think about the percentage of the amount of people that know who we are, that we come in contact with, that actually subscribe, and you see that it's like point zero 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 one percent that actually want to win. And it's, I mean, that's it's always been that way. It's there's a lot of, I mean, I I can't tell you how many people that message me after I do the the morning show, and they'll say, you know, what do you have for today? Or I just took a hit on, you know, a large parlay and I'm trying to make it back. Everything is backwards. It's not go into it with a structured bankroll, have the right money allocated to just your betting business, keep a clean account for just the selections you're getting from our large syndicate groups, 
keep it simple, and that's it. And most people don't do that. They work, they're in the reverse. They'll put a hundred bucks in their account, get lucky on a huge parlay, have twenty thousand, instead of then saying, you know what, maybe this is they keep doing it over and over and they take their account from twenty to zero and it, and it happens multiple times. And then it I mean I give you I gotta give I'll give you a really crazy story. I had a client yesterday, he joined, he joined, um, Pick Dogs member. He uh he called up and he said, I won 120000 last week at Hollywood, uh, on the Hollywood app in Florida, lives in Florida. And I didn't get into the age or whatever. And he says, and then, I, and then from, the, from the 120 part, he lost 200 So now he was minus 80 So and, and long story short is how did he win the 200 Well, he stuck in five grand. He got lucky. He started, he did some crazy $5,000 parlay that paid 50000 Then he did another one that paid 50000 Then he did another one. And he, so there are all the bad habits come out in the beginning. So you say, oh, this is easy money. And then, he, of course, he said, oh, then I was at 120. I was trying to get to 200 because <laughs> it's never enough, right? It becomes an adult video game. They never withdraw the money out of their account. And then he goes from 120 back to even then starts chasing and putting now more money into where he's now went from being, you know, five grand to 120 to now he's minus 80. And now he has $10,000 left as wagering income. And people, when they hear these stories, especially the hundred hardcore clients that we have, they can't believe them, but they're true. You know, the guy was like, well, they offered me three, uh, they caught me for four nights. I'm thinking you just lost 120,000 and you're happy that they comped you in a penthouse for four nights. And he's like, it's, it's not, I'm not laughing at the client. If he's listening, it's just laughable. They don't understand that that's part of the game, right? To get you caught up and swept up in the insanity and, it's just like loan sharking is illegal, uh, but you can have credit cards with 30% interest rates, and that's considered not that's considered no problem. It's the same thing here. I mean, they're literally like every old school wise guy trick in the book in the legal sports wagering industry is there to take your money. And you know, it's in, in, unless you're part of that, you know, point. I used to say one percent. It's not one percent. It's point zero 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 one percent. I mean, because again, we talk to too many people, and too many people know who we are. That you just realize that most people don't really care about winning. I will say, after thirty-five years in this business, and you know, I've talked to clients, and I've had feedback. You, know, you could be very disrespectful to your constituency. The constituency is not that big. It's quality, not quantity. So I'm not really disrespectful of the constituency. I'm disrespectful to the clients that don't understand they're part of the profit and loss sheet when these sports books with their public earnings are released and their publicly traded stocks on the exchange. I just, I have no empathy for stupidity of somebody thinking that an individual game is going to actually matter to their bottom line at the end of the year. You see people wasting countless hours dissecting and analyzing individual games. You could say I'm more of a Scrooge, Costi, but in the end of the day, like, does it really matter when we see what these professional betting groups do? They're all high volume, spray paint the board, hit every edge that you have, and get that 5 to 7% return on our money over the course of time. Just like the video that we did with Spencer uh, on YouTube, I mean, like Dave said, the average earn is 7% for every dollar wagered. 
So, you know, you want to make $7,000, you're wagering $100,000 in action over the course of time. It's not you're wagering betting one game for 7000 to make 7000 So anyway, I don't, want to be, I don't want to get off my soapbox. We can break down, talk about NBA, talk about college. I know you've been doing really well in your sabermetric system. Yeah, I mean, the group that I deal with um, particularly, they, they have a – college is so finicky that you can't just go into it blindly every day. I mean, I know we talk about and break down games on air – on my morning show every single day. But at the end of the day, the games that we extract and we play, um, you have to be on it every single day. And these teams are fairly consistent with how they play at home versus the road versus conference opponents coming off a loss, coming home. There's a lot of data that is driven into our model every single day. And we've had this for a decade now. I mean, so to be able to produce at the rate we're producing, I'm very satisfied. Usually I look at the metrics uh, from the beginning of the year till February 1st. And because February 1st, that's, that's when it gets really condensed and you have a huge slate of conference play from now until March. Then you have conference tournaments. Then you have March Madness. So seeing that the, the performance is extremely, Exceptionally well. I mean, we're hitting right now in the last month fifty nine percent, forty six and thirty two and four. I mean, I take that any day of the week hitting fifty nine percent consistently with volume. So it's produced at a high rate. I'm very excited about. It. I mean, like last night. I mean, even the last two days. I know it's a short sample size, but majority of the time we're playing home teams. I mean, it just the the model itself loves home teams over a long period of time. I mean, we had Colorado State. They won easily. We had Mrs. Uh, Old Miss at home. They won. We only lost Kansas State at home. They lost. They got blown out by Oklahoma. Won Central Michigan. That was a grinder, double overtime. And won TCU. Again, all home teams. And the night before, again, another big night, weird universities. Uh, they took Lamar. The only Lamar that's won in the last seven days, they won by 25. They had Southern University against the worst statistical team ever, and this year for sure in college basketball, Mississippi Valley, who is ranked dead last in basically every single category you could possibly put out there. Um, and we got the job done with uh, with Texas, only losing by four, getting five. So, the, well, this when you talk about so the worst in, Go ahead. What was that? No, go ahead. I'm the sorry. Go ahead. Just dialed in right now. Just dialed in. Well, back to the, the the back to the idiocy of traditional handicapping and outright wins and losses. So, like I did on my YouTube video today at PickDogs.com, which on the YouTube channel, which was, you know, you have the Clippers, and you look at a team like the Clippers and they're playing the Wizards, and from a regular point of view. You know, the, the new better that lives in a state where it's legal, they are hyper-focused on the win-loss record. They don't understand that the line is the great equalizer. So the Clippers are 30 wins and 15 losses, and they're 25 and 20 ATS. And 25 and 20 ATS is not making money for everybody uh, that doesn't understand the 110 VIG because it, you win, if you're $100 better, $2,500 on the wins. 
but you're losing $110 times 20 on the losses, which is 2200 bucks. So you're up five games, but you're giving away three games to juice. So your $100 better is 25 and 20 up $300 for the season. The flip side is the Wizards have only won nine games outright. Can you imagine that, Kasi? They have only won nine games outright this season. They are 9-37. and 37. But because they're always getting a lot of points, they are 22-23 and 23 ATS. They're only down one game. So when people don't, people, when it comes to like the, all these stats and trends, the, the biggest mistake most clients make is they, they look at teams like Detroit Pistons. I mean, they've only won six games. They're six and four. It's hard to believe how bad some of these teams are. Wizards, six and, uh, nine and 37. Pistons, six and 40. I mean, it's crazy. But the flip side is the newbie doesn't look at that. He just looks, oh, yeah, I'm going to bet the Clippers tonight minus the 12 and a half. Now, whether they cover or they don't is not the point. The point is all your value is on the Wizards. The point is all your value is on the Wizards. And so, most people don't understand that you're always going to get the edge playing the losing teams because you're going to always get more points. Look at the Detroit Pistons. They have only won six games. They are 21 and 24 and a push ATS. Think about that. So for ev- that means that 50% of the time when somebody wakes up in the morning and they say, I'm going to bet, uh, Detroit on the spread against Detroit. Now, I'm going to bet against the Wizards because that's what people do. We're not talking about money lines. So I'm going to bet against 50. They're getting killed. They're, they're getting killed. Now, let's talk about the parlay guys. The average guy is going to want to, he'll wake up the parlay guy. I'm going to parlay against the Wizards on the money line and against Detroit on the money line that's going to be negative EV at the end of the season. You're not going to make money. So again, if it was that easy to just look at the actual win loss record, which is why I always tell new betters, like forget about the win loss record. It just doesn't mean anything. Anything you want to add to that in the NBA? No, I mean, that's uh, you, you hit it nail on the head. I mean, it's, you've got to be very particular. I mean, I break down NBA every single day for free. And I give my opinions and leans, and we do very well overall. Um, but there's there's a slide in the NBA. You really have to be cautious when betting it because it's a lot of situational handicapping as well as getting the line advantage from getting the best price on the board. I think when it comes down to um, NBA is less about price because there's so many question marks going into the evening so you can't really overnight bet NBA consistently because there's so many guys that are on pitch counts um, that basically they'll pull them from a game if it's a back end of a back-to-back or guys that have to play because now they, they instituted a rule that you have to have a certain amount of games played a year to be able to be eligible for the MVP. So you're seeing a lot of these bigger players play more of the back-to-back games when healthy than they do in years past where they would just sit. But the injuries, like right now, there's shoot-arounds that are happening the morning of the game. You could gauge based on if you have the right channels to follow, 
to gauge which guys are actually going to play tonight. If they're at shoot around, if they're not shoot around, what type of injury, what type of situation? Is it a look ahead spot to the following night because they're playing, um, you know, a bigger caliber team where they'll give a certain player rest versus not? And it, it's football. You don't really have that because it's once a week. So, I mean, during the NFL, you would catch games on Monday for the best price versus Sunday at post, which is when the game kicks off. NBA, it's not nearly like that. Um, we'll catch it in the middle of the day. Like, we haven't even released our NBA games for today. And once we do, it's because we've seen what's going on at shoot-around. We followed it enough to make it, to make a decision on the game. If the spread is factored in with the player not playing, um, and, and you have to be able to be on the horn with NBA 24-7. It just can't be blindly betted and forget it because, you know, there's situations like the, I think it was Saturday, um, we had the Denver Nuggets. So the line was five and a half when we bet it early because we anticipated um, that Embiid was potentially maybe going to be out um, when they were playing the 76ers, but even with him in there, five and a half was a good line. Well, the line shot up to 13 and a half. So you would think, um, okay, a certain player's out. The line's moved a whole six points. Um, no, sorry, eight points. And that would be so advantageous. They only won um, by six. So, you know, you would look at it and go, oh, my God. You would think even if you got it at seven and a half, like you're feeling really good because the line moved to 13 and they still almost, not only did they almost not cover the five and a half, but they almost potentially at one point were down in the game. So NBA is, is very weird. You have to be on top of things and you have to be on top of things seven days a week. I just always find it hard to, to understand how could somebody have a nine to five career or even more than that, if they own a business, be able to be present in any social event, be present for anything related to their family, and be on top of the sports betting markets like we are. And I get it. Certain guys claim to do that, but they're putting in 20 minutes a day of manual handicapping. And those are the guys that are scrambling every week to try to win back their previous week's losses. Like I had a client yesterday, Eric, that I talked to, ended up becoming a subscriber. Um, very nice guy, pretty new to betting, but it's the first time that I've ever got the call that said, look, I've had huge wins and I've had huge losses. I'm tired of having the volatility. I want a professional to guide me because where I am, Sports betting is legal, but I don't have anybody to to uh, talk about the current events just because I don't have any betting circles of people that do what I do on the side. So I'm tired of the swings. I'm willing to treat it like a business. He's like, I, I took a parlay from 1,000 to 20, then I lost it back, then I did it again, and I lost it back. I'm tired of the swings. I just want to be coached correctly because I do music. I'm not a guy that knows how to pick out sharp line moves every day. Perfect. I mean, he. this is before, literally, I got a text after he filled out the request listen, on Pick Dogs, Sharp listen, Trading Plays, does, and contacted he, he does sports betting like I do music. 
<laughs> it would be like me trying to be. And a I mean, he has uh, he has musician. a right. You know, he's. Yeah, I mean, he's you know, but you wouldn't sit there and talk to a professional musician and tell him you know how to play the song better. So yeah, you no know way. your limitations. You know your limitations, yes way. and you know talent. And this is all we do. This is like not only do we speak to clients and provide them with daily coaching and consulting with the plays that we release, but I'm on live YouTube shows every single day, giving breakdown on games, current events, opinions, collaborating on picks that we like. I mean, all that stuff is, I devote my life to this. And there's a reason why my success is vindicated. So, you know, all, all, at the end of the day, the only people that are going to be successful in sports trading are the ones that are willing to be coachable, no different than when they were Pop Warner football and they were told to, you know, follow the instructions of how to run this play and not do it their own way. Because if they do it their own way, they're going to get lit up by a linebacker if they're running back, running down the wrong hole where there's no, you know, there's no blocking. So right. guys that are coachable, stay coachable. Guys that are not coachable, still figure out a way, even if we give them a winning formula and recipe to success to be not successful. And we've seen that a gazillion times. What's your take on um, the upcoming uh, baseball season? Just to, before we get into breaking down the It's funny. I haven't. I haven't really. Did you see the Baltimore? Did you see the Baltimore uh, Orioles yeah, got I mean, sold for one point eight billion? With a yep, B, it's fantastic. Yeah, I think that the new leadership will definitely retain because we haven't been able to retain any big talent for so many years. Because the the and again, I'm not a huge baseball guy, so I don't have a lot of data to talk about them like I do about the Ravens. I just don't follow it nearly as much. But, you know, our leadership and our ownership was one-sided. They cared about the money. They didn't care about paying guys astronomical prices to keep them to have a good team. The only reason we've had good success over the last couple of years is because of our drafting. And every guy we drafted became an all-star. And, you know, we farm-systemed our way in because we have good leadership in the clubhouse um, and in a dugout, but definitely not when it comes to paying the big contract. So I anticipate with this new ownership that they're willing to splurge and spend money. And listen, I mean, the, the stadium, this, even though it's a Ravens town for football, it's been an Orioles town for many decades. And if they do it right, they have enough money coming in. Can you explain to everybody contract to the, uh, can you explain to all the people outside of Maryland to tie it in when they do the uh, the uh, the uh, the uh, the song before the game and everybody goes, oh, explain it because people as always ask me, why do they always do that? That's why an Orioles thing? The... It's exactly it's an Even Orioles at the Ravens games during the national. Even at the Ravens, yeah, they right. do it anywhere the Ravens fans or Orioles fans go. Even on the road, we do it. It's just one of the you know. It's just a tradition that we have. So listen, if you're a square, this is what a square will do this today. 
whether it wins or not, it's a bad bet. Cleveland minus 800 parlayed with the Clippers minus 609, fading the two worst outright winning records in today, Detroit and the Wizards, because Atlanta's not playing. I don't believe it. Unless I'm wrong, if Atlanta's playing, we can throw them in there as a three-teamer, but I do not believe. Yeah, Atlanta's not playing. So you risk $1,000 on a parlay. You win back $309. See, that's square. And what happens is you have guys that open up an offshore account and they think they're slick. They do that till the wheels fall off every day, risking a grand to win 300. That's like a minus 700 bet. Risking a grand to win 300. Risking a grand to win 300. And then it works till it doesn't work. And then once it stops working, you're done. So that's why, like I said, if it was that easy, I know what the squares do. This, every, I mean, there's probably more money on that two-team parlay today than any other, because why would you, right? There's no way the Wizards are going to win out, right? There's no way Detroit's going to win out, right? So let's just parlay them together. Or people realize the odds stink, and they go, now let me handicap a third game, and then what happens is this parlay would have won, but they all found a way to lose because they added a third game that lost. <laughs> yeah. It's uh, you know, it's very easy to look at the board and look at the big favorites and say, these games can't lose. NBA is not the case. I mean, there's a reason why all these teams have losses. There's a reason why one of the best teams in the league has 15 losses. It's not like they're running away with it and they only have five losses. I mean, it's NBA has extreme talent on every team. There's a salary cap, so it keeps it keeps order. Um, I mean, obviously, there's certain teams that are just terrible. Like, you know, you go with the Hornets. The Hornets are atrocious. They're only getting five on the road, but the Bulls suck as well on the road. They've only won eight games. So NBA is very weird. You can't just go into it blindly unless you're literally following every game every single night. I mean, I know you personally, you're not an NBA freak, nor are you any sort of sport and specific fan of, I mean, the, the games that you get from your groups. I'm doing a, I got, I got groups to do a lot of, a lot of total, a lot of totals in college basketball. And again, you know, like I'm two and one this week in tennis. I'm Oh, and one this week in college basketball. But again, I don't care. Like, you know, last night, I think we had the over 156 in some game and it ended 151. And I had some guy text me. I said, who cares, man? Who cares? Move on. That's it. Go to the next game. We're done. Nothing to talk about. It's just very, you know, unemotional. You'll notice also the sports that a lot of the general public uh, are obsessed with are what the it's the opposite of what the betting groups are obsessed with. So I'm looking at guys that are betting 90% over and unders in college, and the general public is always actually just trying to pick an outright winner. And even for you, when you do these early morning shows and you break down college and you break down the NBA, very little talk. You actually make fun of guys when they come with a total. Very little talk is about the totals. It's about who's going to actually cover the spread versus the world that I'm looking at is I got guys betting, you know, every total on every game tonight in college. Big difference. I think it's a little different for our show that we do. The fans of the show. I'm not knocking it. I'm just saying that yeah, they just they yeah. want they want the side, which is fine. But sometimes when I look at a game, first of all, I don't bet every game on the board. So it doesn't when I give an opinion on every game, 
sometimes I don't even have a opinion on the game because I don't like either side and I'd rather take the total. So that's where that comes from that. But, um, listen, college basketball is where it's at right now. There's so many smaller market schools that play every night. And when you bet a small market game, it pays the exact same that it does as a Super Bowl. I mean, the takeaway is watching the Super Bowl is fun. Like, I, I watch it for entertainment. I usually do my Super Bowl squares. So I'm like, I have action on the actual tradition of the Super Bowl, which I've been doing Super Bowl squares since, I think, since I was 12 years old. I've been doing Super Bowl squares. It's just a tradition. Sounds very square. It's not something where I'm. (laughs) It could be. There's no logic. Uh, I mean, there's no skill to it. You pick pick a number and hopefully that, you know, the the end of the, the quarter, um, your numbers hit, and you're you're praying for the outcome of each drive. You're, you don't really care about the outcome of the game. You just care. All right, I need San Fran to kick a field goal here only. So it's it makes it fun. Um, that's all it is. There's no strategy to it, obviously. Um, but for the Super Bowl itself, it's a coin flip. The game is a true coin flip. You could say whatever whatever you want about Mahomes. I would not be surprised if the San Francisco team comes in ready, doesn't have the hangover for the Lions, and beats uh, a team like Kansas City who is not good on offense this year. I don't care what you say. The Ravens played like absolute garbage, and they still only lost the game by seven. I mean, they played their worst game by far on the season, a team that's averaging 30-plus points a game. They, They give up. They score seven. And they only lost by seven points. I just, I'm not saying to bet against Mahomes. I don't really, I think it's a true 50 50 game. I think the 49ers have a lot of talent offensively, deep, and I think their coaching is up to the same caliber than Kansas City. So there's not an advantage there. Like going into the game, did I think Todd Moncton was going to script a good game? I did. I, I thought that he. You know, for the Ravens, he he proved himself to be dynamic all year until the biggest game of his life, and he couldn't produce. I do think that you know Shanahan's been there. Um, he's he's played in very big games, and he's he's that advanced um, that he'll be able to script up something that that Kansas City won't be able to guard all game and make it easy like they did for you know for their defense against Lamar. And I think they they match up well. Again, true 50-50 game. But if I if you had to put my hand to the fire right now, I'd take San Fran. I would. It's my opinion. Well, that's also you, that's also you, you. You're also revenge betting because you don't like KC because they beat the. I don't think the Chiefs are that good. They beat the Bills. The Bills had a third string defense, and they they lucky they didn't go to overtime. They haven't been that good all year. All right, so let's and let's play a game. Beat let's play a game. Let's wait, wait, wait. We got three minutes left. Don't talk to me about the team. Which quarterback would you rather bet on? Just take isolate the quarterbacks. Mahomes. Just I, Mahomes. There you go. You answered. Then you just answered your own question. That's it. That's you just what you, the quarterback does game. not. The quarterback is one player. You have the right. quarterback doesn't play defense. One player the quarterback that doesn't catch the had ball. to wait till the third quarter to make an incomplete pass with Kelsey. Right. The player. But you, you could also like say, they, I mean, 
The, that player did also not whole, score a single he's point in the second the home half. Team. I, I get it. All right. All right. He okay. did not score. The Kansas City Chiefs got blanketed in the second half. That's how bad so the why Ravens is played. it if I ask you, why is it if I ask you, this is a valid point, I'm pressing you. So if I say which quarterback would you rather wager on, why did you not answer with Purdy? Because Purdy's not the better quarterback. He's a game manager. He's got the talent around him to be successful. Mahomes is that offense. If they put any other quarterback in that offense, they maybe win six games this year. Just the way the teams are structured differently. As long as Purdy doesn't make mistakes, he's got the receivers, he's got the best running back in the game, he's got the second best tight end in the game. You know, I still have an MVP ticket on him. You know how insulting that is, that I have an MVP ticket in my sportsbook account. But you know how nasty that is, that that the guy that's going to beat me is the guy that's not going to the Super Bowl, Lamar, and the guy that actually is going to the Super Bowl, I don't get to cash the ticket. Do you know how ridiculous that is, Costi? Do you know how ridiculous that is? That's why it's not. It's most valuable player. It's not most valuable winner. Right. Exactly. It should be most valuable winner. It should be hand in hand. You shouldn't have the guy that, like, got knocked out, win the MVP. Right, so we're because you're basically saying Lamar is going to win the MVP, right? Well, then, well, that that means they would have been Mahomes, and it wouldn't have been, you know, at this point. If you go into it by this point, he has more efficient wins. He's basically went on the playoffs in the playoffs, won two road games, and they beat up on the Dolphins, right. who were banged up. So you know, it's just it's how the NFL is. Only one winner, and we'll be able to see it in. Twelve days now. Twelve days is the Super Bowl. February February eleventh. Yep. Yep. All Usually for all that. Oh, we're done. We'll be back next week. Wow, an hour goes quick. Talk to you next week. Sports Insider Radio. Got it.